Well, this past week in our office, we had one of those situations that occurred that um, doesn't happen very often, um, especially being in the, uh, with things being remodeled, but it does happen from time to time. And what occurred in the office is almost um, not quite simultaneous, but pretty much one right after another. Everybody kind of came out of the office, out of their offices, stuck their head down the hallway and said, did you lose your internet connection? And, and it just kind of happened to all of us, and all of us simultaneously. And we're like, yeah, it happened to me. Did it happen to you? Yeah, it happened to me. It happened to you. And so like, oh, no, what happened? And we're like, okay, there's no wind outside. There's no ice storm. You know, what happened? Uh, drop the Internet connection. And then we also realized that we didn't have access to our server. So you don't have Internet connection. You don't have access to the server. You kind of can't do anything. You just might as well sit there and twiddle your thumbs, you know, or go home. And uh, it was early in the day. We weren't ready to do that. So came over to the computer room here and tried to reset the router and take the steps. We knew that didn't do any good. So then we called our internet provider and got hung up on and got put on hold forever. And we weren't getting anywhere on that process. And so called one of the guys from our church who has helped us with a lot of our IT needs. And he was happened to be working from home that day. And he's close by. So he said, I'll be there in a few minutes. So he comes up, and right before he walked in the door, I happened to go downstairs for something. As I went downstairs, I saw all the lights were out. I thought, why are all the lights out downstairs? And I, oh, I wonder if we tripped the breaker. So I went over and pushed that button, and everything came on, and magically we were connected just like that again, again. But you realize how quickly um, that connection was lost, but when you see that connection lost, you also realize how important that connection is, how important it is. Just think about what... Things you said and did last time you lost your internet connection. We won't take for have a time of confession here in church this morning, but you may need to do that about what took place when that occurred. You know, um, because of the frustration, because of feeling helpless that takes place when that occurs. And yet, how critical it is for us in our culture and in our world today to be connected to everything else in our lives. That connection is vitally important. And when you think about that connection in your life, it's vitally important in other arenas as well because that connection is not only important um, for you to stay connected to the rest of the world, but connection is important in relationships as well. Um, One of the things that we have come to learn is how vitally important having a sense of being connected if you are married to your spouse is. Because if you do not feel connected to your spouse, you can't tackle anything that's in front of you. You feel isolated You feel sometimes abandoned. You feel all alone. And so one of the things we actually are training people, training couples to do, is how can they move from times of feeling far apart and disconnected to be connected with one another so that they can tackle the challenges, whatever those challenges are that are right in front of them. And so it's important relationally. It's important for how we function in this world. But it's also important in our relationship with God. And this morning we're going to talk about something that um, Paul writes about about being connected and how that happens. And it might surprise you how this connection, this, what he's going to talk about this morning, gives you a sense of feeling connected. If you haven't been with us over the last uh, several weeks, we started the new year with a series entitled Next Steps. And the reason we started that series is I wanted to, uh, for us to explore what is the next step that God is calling you to take in your spiritual journey, in your relationship with him. We talk about next steps all the time at CCC because we don't believe God asked you to, to go from A to F. He asked you to go from A to B or from C to D or from E to F. And so part of that journey for you is to acknowledge and say, this is where I'm at right now. This is where I'm at. And what's the next step that God is asking me to take? The next step he's asking me to take. And we began talking about the next step in, in, in following Jesus. What is the next step? And following Jesus look like for you? No matter where you're at, 
No matter if you're just here checking out CCC, if you've been away from church, you decided, hey, I really should do this. I really should get back to church. I haven't been there in a while. Been walking with Jesus for a, a long period of time. What's the next step that he's inviting you to take? And then last week we talked about what's the next step in, in, in being involved in small groups and being involved in relationships. And we talked about what that next step looks like for you to be a safe person. If you weren't here with us for last week or either of those weeks, you can go online, listen to the messages, and um, get connected, get caught up to where we are. So we talked about that last week. And, and one of the things that we're going to be doing next Sunday is an event called Plugged In. And Plugged In is an, is an opportunity for you to meet other people that are interested in being part of a small group. And we'd love to have you sign up. You can go to our website. You can sign up online about that. And, um, and it's an opportunity to be connected in turn in and a group of people here at CCC. One of the key components to our small groups are our leaders. Because as a staff, one of the things we would love to do is care for and be involved in everybody's life here at CCC, but we don't have enough hours in the day and in the week to do that. And so one of the ways that happens at CCC is our, through our small groups. And so people in our small groups, our leaders, they are, they are shepherds along with us to care for the, the flock or the church here at CCC. One of the things that we learn in small groups is they have seasons of life. They have stages, and small groups go through seasons, and, and groups begin, and groups function, and there's a great experience, and sometimes groups come to a close, and it's a time for a new season of what God has for them. And when that takes place, one of the things that we try to do is we try to honor the leaders who have been in that season um, with us. And so one of our leaders who um, is here today that I want to ask to come up, Matt and Michelle, come on up here. Um, Matt and Michelle have leading, been leading small groups for, I think, Matt said nine plus, something like that, eight. Oh, now, that, now you're down to eight. You reduced it. So. Um, but uh, Matt was one of those guys that uh, somebody, somebody um, convinced him to lead a small group. I think that was Jerry. Didn't Jerry convince you to do that? You know? And, and uh, Matt didn't really know what he was getting into, but he dived in, and he and Michelle poured themselves into the people that were a part of that group. And so uh, we just want to thank them for serving our church and for the our church community in this way. So would you join me in just thanking them for their faithful service? So thanks, guys, very much. Thanks, Michelle. I don't see Ben and Liz Erhar here this morning because they were the other ones I wanted to recognize, but I don't see them here, so we'll get them next week. So One of the things that we want, we're going to talk about is this whole area of serving. And, and I think sometimes when we think about serving, it's just, well, there's stuff that has to be done. But Paul gives us a very different perspective about serving that I hope you catch this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to 1 Corinthians 12, is the passage we're going to be in. 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't have your Bibles, our guys have some, and they'll pass them out to you. 1 Corinthians 12. The Bibles that they're passing out, the page number is going to come up on the screen there for you to, to follow along. The book of 1 Corinthians is one of Paul's letters to a church in the first century. This was a church that he established on one of his journeys. He lived in Jerusalem, and he was sent out from Jerusalem to all parts of the, the known world at that time. And he started churches in all these little towns. Corinth was one of those cities that he started a church in. And after he started this church in, then he would get reports from people that were passing through, and they would send information back about how's the church in Corinth doing. And um, Paul would write letters to them. And he actually wrote four letters to the, churches, to the church in Corinth. We have two of them that are part of our Bible. And so this one, first letter in, um, 
that's known as 1 Corinthians is a letter in which Paul is writing essentially about problems that were happening in the church. But most of the problems, we don't really know what was going on. He just says, this is what you should be doing. I'm like, okay, what is he telling them they should stop doing? In some cases, he tells us. 1 Corinthians 5, he's very clear, this shouldn't be happening, this is what you should do instead. But not in all of them. So there's a bit of surmising on our part to say, what is it that Paul's really talking about? What was the problem here that we should pay attention to? Now, I don't think, and we'll see, you'll see this more as we spend time looking at this passage of Scripture, I don't think the specific problem that they were dealing with is a specific, the same exact problem that we're navigating through. But I think there's some valuable lessons and truths that we can walk away with from what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So look there, and if you are in 1 Corinthians 12, let's begin in verse 12. Paul says this, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Uh, Paul is using a picture, uh, an analogy, if you will, to describe the church. And the analogy they use is, our, is the human body. And this is probably one of Paul's favorite or most often analogies that he uses in the Bible is the picture of the body. Now, when Paul talks about the church throughout the New Testament, he's often talking about the church in two different arenas. The first, time, first picture that he's talking about when he's talking about the church, he's talking about every person alive today who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's called the universal church. Every person is alive to this. There's a couple places in the New Testament, not very many, where he's referring to every person alive at this moment in time who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Paul also talks about the individuals who are a follower of Jesus in a specific geographic location, and that's called the local church. And I believe this is what Paul's talking about in this passage. He's not talking about the universal church. He's talking about the local church. And in this picture, he says the local church is just like the body. He says, think about your body. He says, there's lots of parts in your body, right? Lots of parts. There's lots of bones in your body. Anybody know how many bones are in your body? Anybody want to take a guess? Tell it, say it really loud. 206. Oh, close. 209 is what I found. So, you know, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, um, anybody know how many muscles are in the body? Muscles. Over 600 muscles. Somewhere in that ballpark is how many muscles. So you think about that, and, and the majority of them all have a unique, distinct function. And Paul says, when you think about a local expression of the body of Christ, when you think about a local church, I want you to think about your body. He goes on to describe it in the next verse, verse 13. He says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. He's talking about this idea of baptism, and I'm not going to spend time on that because we're going to actually talk about that next week. But the thing I want you to focus on is his description. He first of all says whether Jews or Greek. He says it doesn't matter your religious affiliation before you came. It doesn't matter. He uses Jew and Greek because that's what it was in that context. In our setting, you might, we might say it doesn't matter whether you, were, whether you were Catholic or Baptist. It doesn't matter if you were Mennonite or Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if you believed in God or didn't believe in God. It doesn't matter when you become part of this local body. He then says, whether slave or free. He's talking about their economic status. He says, it doesn't matter if you serve at the counter at McDonald's or you run the McDonald's. He says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't ma he says, it doesn't matter if you're the person on the factory line or if you're the manager of the people on the factory line. 
He says it doesn't matter if you run your own show or if you manage dozens of people. He says it doesn't matter. He says we're all baptized by one Spirit. And what he's talking about there is he's talking about what happens when you place your faith in Jesus. And so he says the local expression of the body of Christ, it doesn't matter your, his, your, your theological background, it doesn't matter your economic status. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're all part of that one body. And then he goes on to, this, to talk about it in this way in verse 14. He said, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many kind of think, what's he talking about? The body not made up of one part. He says, a body can't be just one part, can it? A body has many, many parts. And when you think of the Apostle Paul, you don't normally think of the Apostle Paul as someone um, who is kind of humorous when he tells things. He's kind of this, you know, you kind of think of him in a revered, serious way, deep theological truths that sometimes are hard to understand. But this next section is really kind of a humorous section of the Bible. One of the most humorous sections that Paul wrote about. Look what he goes on to say in verse 15. He says, Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. I mean, Paul's trying to give us an analogy here and a picture. He said, Can you imagine your foot and your hand having a conversation with each other? You know, you know can you imagine? You know, um, and he said... It's kind of humorous when you think about it. Can you imagine your foot saying, I, 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 I'm, I'm done with you, you know? I'm going to go be a foot to somebody else's body, I'm done with you, you know? Or, or your eye and your, your ear having a conversation, saying, you know, I think I'm done here, I'm just going to move out and go get connected somewhere else. Paul's saying that's kind of you know, crazy when you think about that. Now remember, he's saying these things because of a problem that's happening in that church. So what's the problem that's happening in that church? Someone's saying, I don't want to be a part of that group anymore. I was a part of this group, but I don't want to be a part of that group. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on. He goes on in verse 17 to give us another picture. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Now, before Monsters, Inc., we couldn't imagine the whole body being an eye, but now because of Monsters, Inc., we can imagine the whole body being an eye. You know? um, but you can imagine a big, monstrous eye. You know? And he says, if the whole body were just one part, some functions that are needed would be missing. If it was all one, some functions that were needed would be missing. You say, what's the problem? Well, there could be a couple of different problems. One could be they were trying to make everybody be the same. Everybody was supposed to be the same. And some of you have come from religious backgrounds and experiences where one of the priorities was for that church to make everybody the same. Everybody had to look the same, act the same, sound the same, do the same things. And Paul says that's not the way it should work because something's going to be missing. In the same way, he says there, if, if in the second half of that verse, he says, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If you were a monstrous ear, something would be missing. Why is Paul telling us this? Because he wants us to know and grab hold of what's in this next verse. He says in 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now this truth that comes out of this verse, I think when you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's true. 
But most people, when they're thinking about the church they're going to go to, they're thinking, well, what's this church going to be like? And does it, does it have things for my kids? Does it have things for my students? And am, am I going to like the guy who's up front talking? Am I going to like the music? And you decide, do I like enough of these things for me to stay here? And we kind of have this grocery list. We kind of go down through and check it off. And, you know, am I going to stay or am I going to not going to stay? And, and Paul says, do you realize God's the one that decides who's going to be here? God's in charge of that. Now, God may direct through your child who comes and say, Mom and Dad, I want to go back. And you're like, well, if my kid wants to go, I should really go. We're going back, you know. And God can direct through you, say, that was really a meaningful service and experience that it challenged me and encouraged me. And it was... So God can work through us. But Paul says it's important to understand that when God puts a local body together, God puts the ones he wants there. He's the one in charge of making that happen. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Paul wants us to understand that for the body to be what God designed it to be, each part is important, and each part has a place. And I have to imagine that as I think about this church in the first century, um, there were some that they thought were more important than others. I'm going to see that in a minute. Um, Some that decided, I don't think I want to be here anymore. As I thought about this choice of whom I'm with, who I'm a part of, I realized that, you know, when we're younger, you don't really get a say in in what you're a part of, do you? I mean, you don't get a say in which family you get to join. You're You're stuck with them for life, right? You know, you're born into them, you know. You don't get to say which class you want to be in in school. You're just stuck in that school, you know, that class. And you get stuck on a team. Somebody puts you on a team. You don't get a say. But, but think about it. As you get a little bit older, you, you get a say, right? You know? As you get a little bit older, you might say, I, I, you know, I'm not going to play on that team. I want to play on that team because I know that coach and I know the way he coaches and that's the team I want to be on. And if you get to the professional level, you actually get to decide who's going to pay you to be on what team, right? And think about that, you know, as you get a little bit older, well, you, you're kind of stuck in the school because you live in the school district, and that's where mom and dad live, so you don't really have a choice of where you're going to go. To, but you get a little bit older, you can decide, am I going to live in this neighborhood or this neighborhood? Am I going to live in this school district or this school district? And you get a choice about where you live. And you get a choice about your job. Yeah, am I going to work for this job? I don't really like the way they treat their employees. I, that's not a good company. I'm going to move from here over to here. And Paul says when it comes to the church... God's the one deciding who's going to be here. And in our independent, I'm in charge of my life, kind of Western mindset, it kind of takes us a back, a step back. Because we're so used to decide where I'm going to be and who I'm going to be a part of and what I'm going to be involved in. And really, what Paul says is, God's actually the one in charge of all of this. And he's the one deciding who's going to be where, And each part that he brings here that says, I'm a follower of Jesus and this is my church community, God has a purpose for you in this place. He has a purpose for you in this place. Now think about your body for a moment. Are there some body parts that you can do without? Yeah, there's some you could do without but not a lot. Not a lot. And if you do without them, your quality of life certainly is limited or may go down. And so God says, every one of you is a part. 
Every part is important. Every part is valuable. And every part has a place. These next couple verses, he kind of dives into it in a little bit more detail. Look in verse 21. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Somebody in that setting was saying, you're not needed around here. Somebody in that saying was, setting was saying, you're not important. I don't know if you've ever been told that. Um, maybe the company's downsizing. Hey, you know, we just, we just don't need you any longer. Um, that's tough. That's tough. Maybe in a relationship, someone says, I, I don't want to be with you. I don't want you anymore. That's agonizing. Agonizing. And Paul says, that's not the way the church works. The church doesn't work like this, where someone can just decide, I don't need you, and you're out. It's actually very different. Look what he says in verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Now, now think about it when you think about your body. And there's certain parts of your body that you can probably function somewhat effectively, even if you were without them. If you would lose a finger, you could function without that. You could even lose a limb, and you can function without that. I mean, we see more examples of that today than we probably ever have because of the, the men and women who've served our country and they've sacrificed physical parts of their body to serve our country. And they come back and because of the, modern, the marvels of modern science, they are able to get you know, prosthetic limbs that allow them to function as part of our society. You know, you could lose an eye. Could you function? Yes. Um, you can use your sense of smell like I have. And can you still function? Yes, but it's kind of dangerous in my car if the engine's burning up, you know. So you can function with certain parts of your body. And Paul says there's some parts of the body that you can function without, but he says the weaker parts are indispensable. Think about the parts that are on the inside, the parts that you can't see. Can you function without your lungs? Wow, that would be pretty hard. Without your heart? You know, without your liver? You know, start to think about these parts of the body that are unseen, that Paul says these parts of the body that are unseen, they are, what is he describing? They are indispensable. Indispensable. And he says those that are not seen, they deserve special honor. Why? Because those that are seen, they get plenty of honor. You say, what is Paul talking about there? What he's talking about is those of us that are in roles that are visible, like myself and, and, and our staff and those people that are up on stage, those people that you see, we get plenty of honor. You, you talk to us, you tell us things that are valuable, meaningful, you, you say affirming things to us. But I'm pretty confident the majority of you in this room have no idea who our cleaning team are. Who every week come here and spend several hours making sure this building is warm and clean and inviting as we come through the doors. I would imagine, unless you have a very small child, most of us have no idea who the individuals are who sit in a room with crying babies for an hour so that you can sit here and hear the truth that's being communicated. Most of you probably don't know who the individuals are that we call when something breaks and we say, hey, can you come fix this? And they, they make their way over here and fix it because they're really, really amazing and good at those things. 
Paul says every part is important. And those parts that you might not see, they are vitally important. Vitally important. And they deserve some extra honor. That's why for me, when I leave the office on Tuesday afternoons, I always walk through this building because our cleaning team is here and just thank them. Because nobody sees them. Nobody knows them. And nobody really thanks them. And they don't say, if somebody doesn't thank me, I am quitting tomorrow. They don't say that. They don't say that. They love to serve. And they love to do what they're good at doing. And it's, it's an amazing gift to all of us. But Paul says every part is important. And it's not important just to look at the visible parts. And say, I can't do what those visible parts can do. And so there's not a place for you. Paul says every part is important. And for one part to say other parts are not important, are not needed, are not necessary, is prideful and arrogant. And it's not the way my body, the body of Christ, is to function. You see, the body of Christ says every part is important. And the body of Christ says, where is your place? And what can you do to make a difference? That's what the body of Christ does. The body of Christ values those parts that are unseen and gives them a greater level of honor because of the roles that they play. You know, it's one of the things that we try to do here, especially as a staff and elders, the people that are behind the scenes, that aren't seen, the volunteers that come in and spend time cutting and folding you know, programs and response cards and getting things ready here, Nobody sees who those individuals are, but they serve in a valuable way. Paul concludes, look in verse 25. Or look at the middle of 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for each other. I mean, he can't say this enough, that God's put the ones here that need to be here, and the ones who are here, he has a certain purpose and plan for them. And as I think about this whole idea of serving, one of the things that we talk about all the time here at CCC is that following Jesus and living our lives for him, worship, spending time with God in his word, serving, we want that to be a want-to, not a have-to. A want-to, not a have-to. You see, when we're having to do things that we have to do, we get tired of it after a while. I mean, just take for a moment and think about writing with your opposite hand, your non-dominant hand. Can, can you write your name with your non-dominant hand, yes or no? You can do that, right? Yeah. Break your hand, you have to do that, right? But if you had to write for several hours with your non-dominant hand, what would you be? You would be exhausted because it's not what comes natural to you. It's not who you are. And so part of what we want to do here at CCC is we want to help you figure out what is it that God has designed you to be and designed you to do. You know, if you're one of those individuals that uh, you love your kids, but you're glad when your kids get a little bit bigger, and when you're around other people's kids, you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to try to be nice around these other people's kids, but oh, we're done, we're done, you know, we can move on. We're probably not going to tap you on the shoulder and say, would you come serve in Studio 252 in, in Mogo Land, you know. 
If you're someone that's a little introverted and you're not comfortable moving towards people and, and you're okay if people move towards you, but you don't just kind of step towards people, we're probably not going to ask you to be a greeter at the front door, you know. Um, you know, if you, um, uh, if you hurt yourself when you use tools, um, we're probably not going to ask you to build something around here, okay. Um, if um, you would humiliate yourself badly on American Idol if you tried to sing or play, we probably won't ask you to come up here on the stage. You know? But we know and we believe that even if that is not what you are wired to do, there is something that God has wired you to do. There is something that God has wired you to do. And that's what we want to help you discover. That's what we want to help you to explore. That's what we want to help you to move towards. Because we believe every part that God has placed here in this body who are followers of his, that he has a purpose and a plan for you. And one of the things we know is that when we get a chance to discover who we are made to be, what you are made to live your life for, and you get a chance to do that, there is nothing in this world like that. To know that you are doing what God has designed you to do. And in doing that, you will help God accomplishing His purpose here on this earth through the church. And it doesn't matter if that's holding a crying baby, that's handing out a program, if that's building things, that's doing things te- with technology. That's serving with our kids, with our students, leading a small group, caring for the poor. It doesn't matter what that is. And that's what we want to see happen. Inside the pocket in front of you, I want to have everybody grab the yellow sheet that's there. Everybody take out the yellow sheet. There should be one in the pocket in front of you. Take that out. And um, I'm going to have you fill fill this sheet out this morning. But I want to talk to you a little bit about it because for us it really starts with what do you love to do? What do you love to do? And so that's why at the top of the sheet it just says I have an interest in. And there's seven or eight different areas, kind of our main areas of our church life. These are things I have an interest in doing. You say, John, if I have an interest in something, is that, uh, am I signing myself up? No, you're not signing yourself up. You're just saying I have an interest. You're saying I'm not sure what I have an interest in. Well, then we'd love to talk to you about it because we're, one of the things that as a staff we greatly enjoy is having conversations with people to explore what do you love to do? Because if we can direct you towards serving in a way you get to do something you love, you're going to pour your heart and soul into it. You say, well, what if, it, what if I get involved in something and I really don't love it? Um, you'll know in six months. Guarantee it. I'll bet money on it. <laughs> because if you're dreading doing it, uh, not a good fit. And let's find something else. You know, one of the cool things with our students, and one of the things I love about being able to serve in a church is you get to try things out. You get to experiment. You get to say, hey, is this going to be a fit? Um, I've watched this with both of my kids as they've tried out areas of ministry where they were serving. And, and now they're doing things that they really love to do. And they look forward to the opportunities that they have to serve. And so it's something that a lot of our students serve here as well as our adults. Um, I've asked Diane to join me here on the stage just to talk a little bit about serving. And so um, um, just to get us started, Diane, um, tell us a little bit about where you are involved in serving here at CCC. 
All right, I am. Um, I help oversee um, Studio 252 upstairs. That's a ministry for kindergarten to fourth graders. And one of my primary jobs is also to teach the large group time. Um, so as you serve there, uh, tell us a little bit about Studio 252 because that's one of those areas that can be unseen. I mean, if you don't have kids and you don't migrate up that direction, you really are, other than a little loud noise that we hear emanating from upstairs occasionally, we're not really sure what goes on. So tell us a little bit about that. All right. Uh, well, Studio 252, we, we, when we're up there, sometimes we refer, refer to what you're doing down here as Big Church because a lot of what we do up there is very similar to what's happening here in that when the kids come in, one of the first things we do is we have a time of worship, and follow, following that there is a teaching time similar to this, and then um, they get a chance then to meet with smaller groups where they learn to know each other better and connect with um, small group leaders. So um, we have a service that is very similar in many ways, and we need, you know, like when I started talking, probably some of you thought, okay, she works with kids, I'm, I'm not a Sunday school teacher, and you kind of think that's not for me, but I wanted to let you know that we're not actually looking for Sunday school teachers. We have lots of opportunities um, where we need people that run our tech equipment, just like here, where they are running the audio and the visual things that we're doing upstairs. We also need worship leaders. We have some great people right now that are working with our kids that love to sing with the kids, and they have so much fun with the kids. But they, they grow up, they graduate, they go into college, and so we're always looking for people who will take uh, those places and do worship with our kids. Um, I am often the large group teacher, and I would love to share that responsibility with others, so we're looking for large group teachers. And then I have small groups right now because there are so many kids that have, like, 15 kids in them sometimes, and that's not really considered a small group. So we would love to to be able to um, split those groups and have more people come and join us and be small group leaders as well. So there are lots of opportunities. Another thing that happens is every single month we change our environment, we change our theme, and then we try to um, have things in the room and um, decor in the room that kind of match that theme. And so... I would love to have people that could just say, you know what, I, I can't show up on Sunday morning and help, but I can, in, during the week, I can help, um, you know, think about what we can do for that theme and gather the things and come set up. So those are all opportunities that you would have in Studio 252. You know, one of the coolest things about us getting people plugged in to serve is, um, is just all the different ways that that happens. Um, and, you know, Diane's describing all of those, and you're thinking, oh, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's for moms, maybe that's not for me. But, you know, we have a, we have a guy in our church who's a retired guy, um, never, never went to school past eighth grade, and um, kind of get choked up just talking about him. Tell him what he does. Um, he, it's Merlin, and he he has he just is awesome with whatever. When we go to him and say, Merlin, this is our theme, and this is what we want you to make, and he's incredible. I mean, he makes things uh, that you would not even be able to. I, I wouldn't be able to dream how you would even begin to to do that because he just has the ability, and he can do it with a lot of things he has at home. Sometimes he'll you know say, I went to the junkyard, or I went here, and I asked for this, and it's just amazing. You just have you should just come um, upstairs every once in a while and just look and see. Often one of our things that we have as one of our props or something that month was made by Merlin. So. Yeah. yeah, and so as, as you think about where you serve and finding your place, um, you know, one of the things we love about the local church is that there is a place for everybody. 
and God brings the right people here at the right time to be used in this way. So, Diane, you, you have a full and busy life. You're a, a mom, you're a teacher, you um, uh, help Frank run his business. Um, why do you serve? Well, um, there are times I ask myself that too, and um, <laughs> especially during the week if, when it's busy, and what I do requires some prep during the week. And so, like, if, I'm re- if it's a busy week and I need to prepare or it's late Saturday night and I'm still preparing, you know, I might ask myself, why do I do this? But, you know, when I show up on Sunday mornings and I'm with the kids, I always say, this is why I do it, because I just love to interact with them. And when I um, am t- talking with them or teaching them, I love to see them respond. And it's just, it's just so rewarding and exciting to see um, them grow. In, in their relationship with God, and so that's what keeps me doing it. As, um, I say, like, when you, find, when you find a fit, when you find something that fits you and you're serving in that area, it can, you can go home after you're done and you can feel exhausted, but you can feel energized at the same time, and that's what I experience. So to serve, you talked about it, it, it requires some extra time, especially in your role, some time and some planning. Um, what do you sacrifice to be able to serve? Well, those people who know me well know I sacrifice sleep mostly, um, and it's that kind of my choice because if I really wanted to get more sleep, I would just I would just take from something else because I really feel like for most of us know and understand that things that are important to us, we figure out a way to make it work and we figure out what to do to make time for it. And I think that's important to think about because serving, we we believe if you're serving in a place that's a great fit. You're going to find great fulfillment, but it's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require setting some things aside. And for some people, it might be, the question on their minds might be, where do I serve? For others, it might be, I don't really have time. How do I squeeze that in? So as you're, um, as you're having an opportunity to speak to our church here and talk to them about serving, what would you say to encourage those that um, maybe are not at a place where they're serving to consider um, being involved? Well, there's two things that I thought about. One is that just the rewards, the joy that you get from knowing that you're a part of just helping people grow in the relationship with God. And that doesn't just mean when you're working with kids. It's like any, any part of what you do here um, would be a part of helping people to connect and with each other and to know God better. And then the other part I thought about is that you hear a lot about small groups, and I'm all about small groups too. I love my small groups, and I've made great friendships there, but I've also found that when I serve on a team and I'm working with people in a ministry and I'm serving, I've made the most awesome relationships there, and that's just a great place to get to know people in that way as well as you serve. Would you thank Diane for sharing some of her thoughts with us this morning? Thanks, Diane. So as we wrap up this morning, I just want to put a screen on the uh, uh, on the screen, some thoughts that we had from what Paul had to say. We can bring that slide up. I think it's a little earlier, Lentha, just you know, the summary of what Paul had to say. That's the one. So everyone who's a Christ follower is a part of the body. Paul says, if you are here, everyone who's a Christ follower is a part of the body. And God's the one who's made sure you're here and brought you here. Second, all parts are important. Everybody is important. No part's more valuable than another. And every person plays a vital part. And so this morning, we want to encourage you to take this sheet and uh, um, put something on this sheet. If you're already serving, um, just say, this is where I serve and I love serving. Um, We'd love to hear from you, and many of you share that with us often. If you're not sure, just say, I'd like to talk with someone and discuss where I could find my place, where I could find my part, where I could fit 
And as a staff, we would love to have a conversation with you and talk with you about that. Um, And so as we wrap up this morning, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, what is the next step that God has for you as it relates to serving? What's the next step? Uh, Remember, God doesn't ask you to go from A to F, H, Z. That's not what he says. He says, I want you to take another step forward. Um, One of the ways, one of the metaphors that we use often is, is when you're in when you're on a team, sometimes you're on the sidelines, but sometimes you're in the game. And when you serve, it's an opportunity for you to get in the game. It's an opportunity for you to be a part of what God is doing and see how he can use you to make a difference. And that's really what we long to see happen. Um, we want you to find a place to serve using your gifts and abilities. Find a place to serve where you have a sense of, I am part of what God is up to here. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as, as we close in prayer. And um, um, I want to give you just a moment to talk to God. And if you, if you have a place that you're serving and you love what you do, can you just thank God for that? Um, if you're not sure where to serve... You're not sure what to do. Just say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Just not sure where right now. So help me figure that out. If life's pretty full and you can't figure out where you'd squeeze in the time, Talk to God about what's really important to you. Allow Him to point out some things that might need to change. And then ask yourself if you're willing to do that. God, I thank you for the church. I thank you for CCC, this expression of your body here in Reinholds. And Lord, you have brought each person who's a follower of you who is here this morning, Lord, to be a part of this community for purpose. Not just to get a job done, not just to keep a machine going, but to to live out who they were designed, who they are designed to be. And in doing that, God, to um, make a difference in this world. God, I thank you for the dozens and dozens and dozens of people who serve here who serve faithfully, who serve behind the scenes, who sometimes get overlooked and not recognized, who serve with great levels of sacrifice. Um, God, I thank you for each of them. And I look forward to God, to others who 
maybe have been on the sidelines for a season, for a time. Maybe they're just new here at CCC and they've just felt the stirring in your heart to say, it's time for me to get in the game. I'm, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to re-engage. I'm ready to find my place. I'm ready to make a difference. So I want you to use me. Thank you for this incredible privilege, God. In your name, amen. As the band comes forward to lead us in a song as we close, I think another thing that happens when we serve is... um, you know, God experiences incredible delight. Incredible delight. When these people that He's made get to live and become exactly who He made them to be. You know, if you've ever built something or made something and it works the way you designed it to work, and you're like, that's what I wanted it to be. I just think God finds incredible joy in that. And so our longing and our prayer for you is that as you seek and pursue this, that um, you would find great fulfillment, but you would know that in doing so, God's really amazingly thrilled with you. Johnny.